I am delighted to be joined today by Linda Riley, journalist, LGBT rights advocate. She's the publisher of Diva magazine and founder of the very successful Lesbian Visibility Week. She was joint publisher of the magazines G3 and Out in the City, founded the Global Diversity List, European Diversity Awards and the Pride Power List, and a former board director of GLAAD. Linda, welcome to Daring to be Different. Hello, hello. I've also got a couple of uh, recent achievements to add to the list, which is the British Diversity Awards and the Rainbow Honours. I obviously need to update my bio. But yeah, when uh, you read the list out like that, it feels like I'm pretty busy. Yeah, absolutely. Also the proud mother of twins. I think that's an achievement in itself. Oh my gosh. And that is breathtaking when you kind of sort of rattle them off all like that. And I, I had summarised them. Look, you've been active in the LGBT space for long before it was trendy. What was your initial motivation to get involved? I would say, interestingly enough, I mean, I've always been quite out there on Clause 28, done all the marches, you know, uh, probably been marching around 40 years. I came out when I was 15. I just turned 60. But basically, I got more involved, funnily enough, my my, my twins. I said I had twins. They're yeah. nearly 16 now. I actually really started to get more active within the community once my twins uh, were born. It, it kind of is it's hard to explain, but it really did change my feelings. You know, I was, uh, although I was quite an activist and marching, I still had quite a party lifestyle. And after I had my twins, I just felt that I, I needed to give more back to the community. Wow. And what, what's their view on what you're doing then when they look at look at their mom and see what you're up to? I mean, they are like just rebellious teenagers, aren't they? <laughs> they everything, you know, I think the one good, I mean, they've lived a, a life that they just take as natural, like, you know, Diva, for example, or even when I was at G3, we've um, had a Pride open top bus for many years and they've, you know, done Pride like that. But they, they actually spent one year in the rain, I never forget with Sunita singing her hit record over and over again on a float. <laughs> They've lived all sorts of stuff. So um, the only the only time that I felt a little bit of pride for them, which obviously made me feel very happy, was when they um, last year they attended the European Diversity Awards, and you know because they're now kind of old enough to to come to some of my events and. Yeah. Uh, that I was sitting there and I, I I saw them from the stage when I was giving my speech and. You know, I did see the pride and everybody said to me, your children were so proud. And wow. that really made me feel happy for them to actually see firsthand because most of the time they just see me on the computer sort of tapping away. <laughs> they don't really realise what I do. Wow, that's amazing. And it's really grounding, isn't it, kind of to see it back through their eyes, what you've been achieving out there. Yeah, I mean, how I see it, though, it's really it's really bizarre because, for example, you know, when I came out at school, we'll, we'll talk more about that, you know, I, I, I was the only person, you know, coming out later on, for example, I met one of my teachers at one of the first gay bars that I went to, the Soul's Arms, many, many years ago, and um, I actually had to apologise to her because we were all, uh, oh, she's a lesbian, you know, and... Uh, yeah how you talked in those days you know and then I was I was like oh I'm, I'm so sorry you know because obviously I was gay myself but you just kind of you're with the crowd aren't you but yeah. she she wasn't out and she I'll never forget she was like she was like don't worry I totally understand and very sad times in those times so when I go back now to my kids I mean I actually asked them because I'm looking at myself at that age and I asked them I was like what's it like at school you know because yeah. They, they know you've got two lesbian mums. We're both yeah. identified as lesbians. 
And uh, they just rolled their eyes at me. They're like, absolutely no problem at all. In fact, both said to me that 50% of their year identify as LGBT or non-binary. Amazing. You know, that was, uh, I was a bit like, what? You know, like when you think back to me, I was the only one. I was yeah. scared of coming back. We were teasing the teachers that we thought might be gay that weren't out. It was a totally different uh, lifetime, you know. And when did you grow up, Linda, then? Where was 15-year-old you? Uh, the 15-year-old me was not in a good place. The 15-year-old me was, I was brought up in South London okay. um, on a council estate. My mum, she was an immigrant. She was an illegal immigrant. She was Armenian. So uh, it was a very bizarre lifestyle because we were kind of living in a subterfuge. They changed our name. She changed our name to make us fit in okay. in society, which is why I'm an Armenian with the name Miley. But basically, it wasn't a good place because when I came out, it was a very different time of being 15 in that day. I was very streetwise. I lived on the council estate. And basically, I mean, I often talk about it because it was such a hard time for me. I wanted to come out. I did come out. And basically, you know, my mum was not good about it. And she was, she didn't exactly kick me out, but she gave me a choice. Either I went for psychiatric care, you know, to try and shock the gay out of me, or I leave home. And I chose to leave home. So kind of, you know, it's very hard to explain that difference. I mean, I could have stayed at home, but I would have had to go for psychiatric help, you know. Gosh, and that really was a reality back then, wasn't it? I mean, you know, being given these choices and these type of conversations. Yeah, that was the reality because, you know, when I talk about it now, people would be shocked. You know, when I tell my kids that, they they kind of can't quite believe it because it's such a different era. But, you know, my mum was kind of asking around and that was the advice that she was getting. You know what I mean? She didn't really know any better. It was like, I still remember her words that day. She was like, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to have grandchildren from you. You're not going to get married, you know, and uh, that was the way it was uh, for LGBT community in those days. Uh, little did she know that I would get married and she would come to my wedding years <laughs> later and I would have children. So I was going to ask you that then. Did, did you reconcile then with your, your mom afterwards then? Yeah, we did. We, we definitely reconciled. And this is why when I talk about this situation, I, I kind of say I, I don't really blame my mum. I blame the society around yeah. her that kind of was not accepting. And she was just like, oh, my God, you're going to have a terrible, horrible life. And just worried about me. But I did leave home. We didn't speak probably for a couple of years, but we did reconcile after quite soon after that because, um, you, you know, it was very difficult because I was close to my siblings. In fact, my younger brother, the funny story, there, there is a funny story, came to me and um, uh, he was really angry with me uh, because basically he said, um, oh, I'm really, oh, I don't know what the exact words, but I can't believe you've done this. Um, I'm actually gay and I was just about to tell my mum and now I can't tell her. <laughs> You stole the thunder. (laughs) Yeah, I stole the thunder. And he he was actually went back in the closet for many, many years, you know, like he just couldn't bear to be like, you know, it'd been so distressing, the first one. The second one coming out, I don't know what it would have done to my mum. But that, you know, that's quite a funny story, I think, for me. You have to have a laugh. You have to take the funny sides out of stuff, you know. It's like, don't worry about me. I've just got to find somewhere else to live. You you, you stay at home with a cosy home. So so what did you do for support then? You know, who did you get strength from? Is it, you know, your wider community? Do you have friends or what did you get? 
Yeah, absolutely. I got support from the community. And this is why, I mean, it's hard to explain, but one of the reasons I do so much, I mean, I'm involved in a lot of charities and diversity role models. Um, I was a patron of Albert Kennedy Trust for many years. I'm an ambassador for Stonewall Housing. And one of the reasons is I, I've got vivid remembers these times. You know, I uh, there's part of me I was... You know, it's great. This is fantastic. You know, I've got all the freedom I want, but you know, obviously, I've got to survive. You know, and uh, one thing that I will say, I was involved at that time. You know, there was no internet, and um, I found the community through Lesbian Line, yeah, which was a phone line that was set up many, many years ago, and uh, yeah. they would put the only way that you could find them is there were stickers in a in a, in the phone box you know there yeah. was a group of women doing that and it was fantastic and i i plucked up the courage to call this number the woman came out and met me you know and introduced me to a wider circle of people <laughs> a couple of those people uh, gave me a roof over my head during that time wow. i wasn't like on the streets do you know what i mean and basically you know really uh, took care of me which is why i think that i give back so much because one of the things that I'll always say is that because um, people often ask me, and I know that we're going to talk about this as well, but I'll talk about it now. Yeah. When I look back to that 15-year-old self, you know, the one thing that I would say to myself is it's not going to always be this bad. You know what I mean? Right. We'll yeah. get out of this, you know, and uh, yeah. It's kind of hard to believe, though, when you think back to that 15-year-old you, saying, you know, saying those sentences – that would be quite an unbelievable thing to imagine that it is that you are going to have kids, that you are going to get married, that the world's going to change. You know, your reality was pretty bleak back then. I mean, you were literally rescued by community members that, that you didn't even know. So it's kindness and generosity. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But but also, um, I will say this, uh, and I think it introduced me to a really different way of life not only the the gay life but the class life you know up until then I, I lived it up until then I'd lived in a council estate um in Stockwell really you know a lot of people say to me oh it was such an underprivileged background but what I will say is when you lived that experience it didn't feel like that I mean I was happy enough you know had all my friends you know you didn't know there was another life where Basically, people were brought up to go to university. Do you know what I mean? University was some faraway dream. You know, you, you kind of lived to get a job in the local shops. Do you know what I mean? That was the aspirations of everybody around you. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. If I'd stayed in that lifestyle, I probably would have lived it. But it opened up a lot of doors for me. The people that I mixed with were, were you know, predominantly white quite privileged and, and and really giving and it kind of you know it opened up a whole new world for me wow and then you you fast forward on to to where you were then and you know you you kicked off lesbian visibility week 25th of april i mean like if i imagine the 15 year old you and the fact that you are doing such kind of forward thinking ambassador work around that particularly around the word lesbian it's it's kind of been reclaimed through majorly through the processes that you've been working with how important is that to you well it's really important because uh i am a very proud lesbian you know and what i wanted to do and i'll say this uh so many times it was getting to the point where i saw that people were actively trying to lose the label lesbian um predominantly because it would became like associated with very ne negative stereotypes you know yeah. um 
particularly transphobia. You know, okay. as a publisher of Devo, I was before I was speaking out quite a lot. I was meeting people, and I was being introduced, and I'd say I was a lesbian, and I could feel a sort of barrier go up between me and certain members of the community. Yeah. Uh, so they spoke to me, and I started to realise that because of the small minority of, of bigoted. Uh, transphobic women that people are starting to associate the word lesbian with really negative connotations. Okay. And what I wanted to do uh, through the platform of Diva, obviously, of which I'm the publisher, and through, I just wanted to open up the word lesbian uh, with more positive connotations, you know. So at the time, there was three years ago, I started it, there was Lesbian Visibility Day, but I thought that was over quite quickly and there wasn't yeah. really a celebration about it. And there was also still confusion over uh, cis lesbians. And what I wanted to do, and I think is we've achieved it, is to have lesbians that love the label shouting out. and and But yet the hashtag and was all L with the T as well so yeah. to you like to showcase the fact that so many lesbians don't have this transphobia that is associated with their label. And I think that um, more and more now cis lesbians are speaking out and it's great to see, and it's great to see people owning that les that lesbian label with pride. You know, it's ironic because I sometimes get accused on social media of selling lesbians under the bus or whatever. And I'm like, well, I started Lesbian Visibility Week. I don't know what else you want me to do. <laughs> That's absolutely crazy. I saw that that social media stream. I mean, the irony of that is absolutely insane. You are the the, the biggest supporter of the word lesbian and lesbianism. It's insanity. Uh, well, I, I find it quite ironic but you know you'll see I get a lot of um, abuse on social media people yeah. often ask me and I talk about it now how I cope with it and uh, to be fair I don't take any notice you know I laugh at it it doesn't hurt me I mean I like uh, I close down my Twitter feed I know they're all going to you know kick off I recently did an interview with um, Emily Bridges the cyclist who was banned uh, she was the front cover of uh, Diva yeah. I knew that I was going to get a lot of stick. I felt, if anything, I felt bad for Emily, but come all the abuse, I just closed down my Twitter, go out for dinner with my twins, and I'm yeah. you know, very happy. It's like uh, I've got a kind of big wall against it. So if, I'm going to say, if any of them listening, don't even bother. You're wasting your energy going on yeah. at me because I don't care. You know, Haters are not welcome. It's, it's just completely unhelpful, isn't it? It's absolutely unhelpful. And, and not to forget, I'll just end this by just saying uh, so many of these people uh, that, that do have a go on social media, they're anonymous accounts, you know, yeah. they're putting their name to this. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I thought I'd talk about it just in case any of them was listening. <laughs> we say hello to the haters. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. They might learn something. That would be good. <laughs> well, yeah, they might do. They might do. <laughs> I do care and, and love the word lesbian. Oh, brilliant. So Diva Magazine, Pod Diva, and all the online communities that you've got on Facebook is a massively active community. It's fantastic. The, these are iconic now. Um, and I don't think there's a woman who loves women that I have spoken to that doesn't have a personal story about why it's important to them. Whether they've met love through the classified section, got the lowdown on lesbians, you know, learned about political change, or look for their photo in the nights out sections that you that you had in the magazine, or maybe spotted next. But everybody's got a story. It's an institution which is held with massive fond regard. What is Diva to you? Well, 
as you've just said, all the things that you've just said, that, that is to me as well. But to me, it's a huge responsibility, you know, uh, during COVID, for example, the lockdown is really hard. I felt it was really important that we keep it together. But I get I get that all the time. I get people coming up to me and saying what it meant to them when they were coming out. They could go to, you know, WH Smith. And what, you know, they didn't feel alone. So, you know, what Diva means to me, I just feel it's a huge responsibility because uh, under my watch, you know, Diva will keep going. The magazine, the print magazine, there's a huge move towards online digital media, but I think it's really important that we keep it in print. We are now the only in the world monthly uh, print magazine for LGBTQI women in the non-binary community. And I think for me, it's just a responsibility but when I became publisher of Diva, it started in 1994. I became publisher in 2015. I bought it off Gay Times. Um, Gay Times kind of treated it like the little sister, you know, okay. and it did the love. It was the first time a lesbian had ever owned it. And basically what I wanted to do was really like up the brand for, yeah. for the community, like you say. So we have now Diva community on Facebook. It's all the things that I wanted to do, Pod Diva. So it's not just a magazine, it is a brand. So when people mention Diva, you know, they might be talking about the Diva Awards. They might be talking about Pod Diva. It's all about being a brand and it's the go-to brand. Well, I have a lot of. I think you might have done this to me, Sam, as well. Like people collect me, contact me direct. I'm yes. out there on social media. You're very accessible. Yep. <laughs> I want it to be that accessible yeah. because, you know, I, I want people, if they're doing stuff within the community, I want uh, Diva to be able to amplify this. I always say whenever I can, you know, like contact me. Um, I'll introduce you to the editor. Uh, Roxy, if you're listening, you know, I, yeah. you know I do that. But it's really <laughs> important because I want people to know that we're here for them, you know, and that's really so important to me. You know, we, it might be a story that we can't cover. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But usually nine times out of ten, it's of great interest to the readers. We're a community magazine and we want to amplify what the community are doing. I think it's great when you put posts on yourself and also respond. You know, somebody will have a massive chain going on and then you'll put a comment on. And it, it's just such authenticity that you are generally there. This is not run by robots or people that don't care. This is a brand with heart that's really in the depths of the community that, that kind of really cares about it. Yeah, no, that definitely is important to me. And I do see what's going on and I do listen to feedback as well, you know, and it's not always positive. They might, somebody might say, oh, why did Diva do this? And then I'll go back and we'll talk to the team, you know, yeah. because we are there to serve the community, basically, you know, and uh, anyone that's listening, I will ask you to subscribe because we do need your subscriptions, you know, we're not yeah. going out of hot air, but, you know, we've managed to keep it going. And, uh, you know, I think, all in all, I think we've got a, a pretty good reputation and it's not just, you know, it's a magazine. It's evolved. It used to be for lesbian and bisexual women. It's now for LGBTQI women uh, and the non-binary community. And I think that we're evolving with the times, you know. No, definitely. So I'd like to ask you, what is your favourite cover of Diva magazine? Now, I, I, I can see the wall behind you. I don't know if it's you have... A certain person on the wall behind you. I'm not sure if that's your favourite cover. Uh, no, it's not. It's just a blow up that was in the office. But I mean, if Sue, if Sue Perkins is, is, is watching this, I would actually say, uh, you know, it's Sue. But um, that's a great picture of Sue, by the Sue, way. It's so. Sue Perkins with a, a bow tie strewn around her shoulder, looking rather sexy. Um, yes. yes, it's very good. Yeah. Is, is that your, your favourite then, or do you have another favourite? 
Well, it should be my favourite because it's on the wall all the time, but it should be. <laughs> but actually, uh, uh, I'll say this because I hope Sophie's listening, but it's going to be Sophie Ward. We covered her when I became publisher. Um, and I really wanted to cover her because for me, I mean, Sophie uh, recently um, hosted the Diva Awards as well, yeah. and she was magnificent. And I'll say it was Sophie because the cover meant so much to me. Uh, you know, I remember Sophie came out when she was with her partner, Rene. Uh, they're now personal friends of mine, which I always uh, feel very privileged about. But uh, when they came out and they made the front pages, I think it was 1997 off the top of my head, they'll probably correct me. It was such a big deal, you know, to have yeah. uh, a mainstream, which Sophie was, she was in The Young Sherlock, a mainstream actor, actress yeah. coming out in such a big way. And for the, in those times, it was so rare. I probably think the, one of the only other out people was probably Martina Navratilova. Yeah. And for me, seeing Sophie on the cover of Diva when I was publisher, I was like, I couldn't have been prouder. So what is the best advice you were ever given, Linda? The best advice I've ever been given, I think probably I would say it would be uh, from my mum. Ironically, uh, okay. my, my mum was basically a really big advocate of, of being an entrepreneur. I think I probably got my entrepreneur skills from her, which is ironic because uh, she worked a nine to five job for practically many, many, many years of my life. But she was just like, don't ever work for anyone. Try and work for yourself. You know, okay. you have your freedom. And um, I think apart from having one job when I had to, when I first, uh, you know, left home, at 15, I've never worked for anybody. I've always, you know, worked for myself. When I was around the early, my early 20s, yeah. um, I decided the, the local gay bar in Vauxhall, it was actually the Vauxhall Tavern was open in those days, but it was the market tavern that didn't have a burger van, didn't have a burger van. And I opened a burger van. Many of my friends called me burger. I used to sell burgers. <laughs> Brilliant. My, my burger van was called Hot and Hunky. And if I, I was going to say, if I, had a, if I had a pound for everybody that queued up for the burger and said, oh, you've missed a C off the hunky, as in hot and chunky, oh. uh, I would be very rich. But, uh, yeah, that's what, you know, so I've always, like, really wanted to just be my own person. And I think yeah. uh, not to live in fear and just to live my life like that. So that would be the best advice. Okay, so it's so been a bit random now, but if you could throw a fabulous party and invite anybody you wanted, past, present, alive, dead, whatever, fictitious, who would you want at this party that you're hosting? Well, ironically, I'm just going to, I'll put it another way to you, but thanks very much for that. But I have actually had the rare privilege to go to, to like the dream party. Okay. So um, I'll give you an idea of who was there, there yep. you know, um, and this was, God, how many years ago was it? Maybe about 10 years ago. And I don't think I could ever beat it. So if you said that you want a dream party, the only thing that I would probably add to this list now would be probably uh, Sarah Paulson. Oh, I would love cool. to have a dinner party. But um, I remember one time I went to a dinner party, Jack Monroe and Allegra, uh, McCready, I think, with the with the cooks, um, Claire Balding, and then Alice Arnold were there. Uh, Stella Duffy, I think, was yeah. uh, was serving us. Uh, <laughs> wow. Sue Perkins was there. Jane Jane Hill, and it was uh, um, Mary Mary. 
God, Mary Portis's house. My memory is really going. <laughs> and so it's Melanie Vicky there as well. But uh, the reason that that happened was I actually, I, sang, I think Sandy Toxic was there and the artist, uh, what's the, help me out, the, the artist is going to come to me. I can see her smoking her cigar. Oh, I don't know. Um, hang on. Sure. She's such a well-known artist. It's going to come. Anyway, the point being is that was my ideal ever dinner party. Stonewall did a fundraising dinner um, and as an auction, yeah. they they auctioned this dinner and I bid for it about oh 10 years gosh. ago. Jane Hill was there. So that was there was about 20 of them. And that was my like ultimate dinner party. Nothing would ever be it. Sophie Ward was there with uh, Renee. Um, but if I could only have that dinner party again with Claire Boarding, Sue Perkins, Jane Hill, all these people, I would have to add Sarah Paulson. A very good um, choice. <laughs> that might have been my best ever name dropping uh, experience ever. Do you know what I mean? Oh, but my it, gosh. That's not a usual night in the life of Linda Riley, just to let you know. I'm usually the twins with their dinner. I was going to say, that'd be an amazing selfie, wouldn't it? That photo of yeah, you Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably got it somewhere, a selfie of us all, but I'm, I'm too scared to like put it out anywhere in case everybody, anybody... I'm very wary that people might think I'm a bit flash. So <laughs> I, kind of keep, yeah. I think that's worth bragging about, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I've just shared it with all, with, all your, with all your people now, but it was a great night, but that was, you know, you know it was almost like a dream dinner party come true. Yeah, that's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. So, Linda, what are you up to now? What's your next challenge? So what I'm up to now is I'm actually, um, there's a few things that I'm up to, funnily enough. Uh, one of them is, you know, I did a lot of work. I was on the board of GLAD for six years. I've stepped down, but I, I still help on their awards and stuff. And what I want to do is take Diva more to the USA. Okay. More work with Diva because they've not curved another magazine that used to be very popular went down in the USA. So okay, I've been doing a lot of speaking engagements in the USA just because I want to give uh, the community there a, a magazine for them to read as well. So we're trying to look at doing more uh, global work with Diva. Fantastic. Um, and also um, the other thing that I'm up to is that we are we've got a big event um, next week called the Rainbow Honours, um, hosted by Julian Clary and Victoria Scon. So wow. I'm looking really uh, doing a lot more work in events. And finally, um, you know, lesbian visibility is my big, real big push because Diva's quite established. Yeah. And this year, just seeing hashtag lesbian visibility week, and even when I went to the USA and I was speaking and the amount of people that came up to me and said they've been posting, you know, with the hashtag lesbian visibility week, I just want that 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 week to really grow and become an iconic week. In, in a way, I've been kind of really pushing it, but I want it to grow naturally and organically yeah. where people are just uh, really on it without me being kind of forced behind it. So that's yeah. what I'm looking for. That's, that sounds absolutely amazing. And I, I just look forward to that going from strength to strength. It's a, it's a fantastic thing to, to, to watch and be involved in. Linda, thank you for daring to be different and changing the game for LGBT plus people and championing our voice. My final question for you today is what would be your strapline or hashtag that captures your energy? Well, that's very, very easy. It's going to be uh, hashtag lesbian visibility week and um, lesbians are inclusive. 
Fantastic. That's absolutely brilliant. Linda, thanks so much for chatting today. Thank you. I'll speak to you soon. What a huge pleasure it was to be joined by Linda Riley today. Linda has been a huge inspiration to me over the last few years, the work that she's doing in the LGBT space. And she's just so humble and honest and and grounded, quite frankly. Despite everything she's achieved and she's globally making a massive, massive difference. And when it comes down to it, she's just so down to earth and um, and accessible and approachable. It's absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to see what she's got planned next. Linda, thank you for daring to be different.